All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Drop in the Gloves. Thanks for joining us here. We're back to back. We're trying to make up for lost time. You know what I mean, Tim? We have a lot of time to make up for. A lot of content yeah, to talk we, about. There's a lot going on. We tried to just take talk about the main stuff yesterday, the trades, the cutter stuff, and now we're going to move on to some uh, more huge news coming down the pipeline from Anaheim, especially. But first. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Give Better. It was great to have Bo on. He was nice. He's always energetic, always just passionate about his company, rightfully so. If you didn't already, go to the app, download Give Better. Should they do it through our stuff, Tim, so we get props? I feel like we're going to get hosed on this. No, they should go there. Givebetter.app slash DTG. Remember, if you make five picks correct in a given day, you get 100 bucks. I've already made my picks this morning for... uh football game tonight the chiefs are playing uh, the dolphins that'll be a good one there's a wednesday night game i don't know maybe it's not tonight but i made the picks this morning that's a playoff game coming up on saturday let's just be clear i'm but, ready for so it. Can, can i go to my internet thing like my safari and type in the give better dot app slash dtg is that how you do it yeah this is a big day for you so the, the safari is called a browser so if you type that in the little box at the top this Dude. is a big day for you. You're so condescending. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so I go to my browser. Yeah, give better B-E-T-T-O-R dot app slash DTG. You can download the app there. Easy to use, a lot of fun. Um, and you had a chance to win some money. So it's it free. Is. It's, it's like, free uh, Super Bowl. I'm going to go download it just so we get a little uptick with our show. Because that's we want to re-sign with Give Better. They're a great company, but we got to show them we're producing. So please do us a favor; it's free. Even if you just download the app and delete it, go no. do it. Download Don't the do app that. and use it. Yes. Okay. Use it. It's free for the next month and a half, and you got a chance to win a hundred dollars. Basically, they're giving you a hundred dollars. That's what they're doing. So go what and do is, it. Uh, what is app short for, John? Application. Mm-hmm. Very good. This, this is a big show for you. Yes. Yeah. I just, I'm not tech savvy, but who is, right? Is it a good thing to be tech savvy? I live in the real world, not the Ethernet, not yeah. the metaverse like Victor Hedman does. Like Trevor Zegers does. In the sandbox. Speaking of, sev- he lives in a different universe, Trevor Zegers. Speaking of Zegers, he's, he's had a pretty tumultuous last couple of days. 
loses his good buddy, Jamie Drysdale. He gets traded to the Philadelphia Flyers. About to have a new teammate next year, potentially Cutter Gochia, if he doesn't want to stick around in college another year. Why would you want to leave? I don't know why. But lo and behold, he wakes up this morning, and maybe he already knew, but stuff has hit the fan with his career. It is being reported by our friend Frank Saravalli that Trevor Zegers is on the trade market. Recently signed last year to a new deal, cornerstone of the franchise, supposed to be. Some bumps in the road with the coach, with the GM, with the franchise, with fans in general. Some of his antics, some of his attitude maybe doesn't mesh well with the kind of system they're trying to put in place there in Anaheim. Well, the rubber has hit the road and Trevor Zegers is now, I don't want to say officially, but usually when Frank Saravalli says something, it's it's pretty, pretty, pretty official. He is on the trade market. What did Frank have to say? He had a great article about this. What did he say, Tim? Yeah, I saw this come across my timeline yesterday, maybe a couple hours after we recorded. And that's important because yesterday when we talked about it, the whole context of the Gauthier trade was that it was like adding to the young depth that the Anaheim was building, especially at the middle with Leo Carlson, Zegris, Gauthier. They have other pieces that they're adding, um, not to mention like Troy Terry and other pieces up front. So we thought that Zegris was a key part of that. And then Frank tweeted out, I have my eyes on Trevor Zegris and speaking with teams around the league, they suggest that Zegris' name is out there. That was kind of interesting, but he's not the only one. Ray uh, Ferraro also tweeted, Zegris isn't everyone's cup of joe. He's creative. He's high risk. He might not be Anaheim's style. And then they'll move on, move him along and get someone that's closer to their style. And whoever gets Zegris is going to say, yeah, we're really excited to get this creative player. So this is kind of like the main thing right now is that the team that Verbeek is trying to build, Zegris doesn't really fit into that. And that might not come as a huge surprise just because of the, the contract negotiation this summer which went into the, the preseason. Zeke was, was obviously late to camp and all that because of the negotiations. And he signed for a lot less than most people thought he was going to do. So the article kind of gets into that, that he doesn't really mesh with that, um, where they want to be tougher, they want to be stronger, they want to be more physical. And Zeke is none of those things. He's very skilled. He's very fast. He's high hockey IQ when it comes to offensive stuff. And he struggles with the other things. And you're seeing that. And it's really tough when you see a, a player like him who really – I, I don't want to knock the kid and say he only does one thing well, but he's got really, a, is it fair to say he has a one-dimensional game right now? And when your goal is to, sc- to score and put up points and you're not doing that, what's left? What else are you contributing right now? The Ducks are struggling and he's not really adding much to the, the lineup. Yeah, I think his his bad start can be due to the fact that he sat out most of training camp because that that is a huge part, especially a young player. You have to gel with your teammates. You have to get ready for the season. He doesn't strike me as a type of player in the offseason who really tries to improve himself and goes out there and is like busting his hump four hours a day, five hours a day, off-ice training, weight training, skating. It doesn't seem to be the player Trevor Zegers is. He seems to rely on his natural gifts, which are plentiful. But going back to this, it's such a strange situation because like Frank Saravalli says in his article, this guy was on the face of a video game. He's already got 20 plus goals before his age 21 year. Like he's having a successful start to his career. Like this should be the face of your franchise. He's got the looks of a California kid. He's got the flowing hair. He's got that surfer attitude. You think this would be a perfect fit for that area right like the he he fits right into anaheim you got the beach you got everything there like that's it's trevor zegers to a t the only issue is their gm pat verbeek is the complete polar opposite of trevor zegers 
He had a long storied career. He played for a bunch of different teams. Hartford Whalers he started with, bounced around from Dallas to Detroit, produced all along the way. Me and Tim were glancing at his stats before the show. I was amazed. Over a thousand points. What stuck out to me was his PIMS. The guy put up almost 3,000 penalty minutes in his career. And for a guy who's 5'9, 190 pounds, that only means one thing. You're, you're, a, you're getting into the scrums. You're a feisty type player. You're using your stick. You're getting in people's faces. He was, he was that type of player, the opposite of Trevor Zegras. Put up the same amount of points. After Vika, he, his high for goals in a season was 46. So he was a skill guy. So for anybody to say, well, skill guys can't do that, Pat Verbeek will say, look at my numbers. I have over 500 goals and 1,400 games played. And I also got in people's faces. And he must just look at a Trevor Zegras and must make his stomach turn, Tim, to see that much talent and to just have that lack of just feistiness in his game. He's not at all engaged in the physical side of the game whatsoever. Like he, he wants to float around on the perimeter, do fancy plays, make sauce passes, and just have an easy game out there. And that is the opposite of the type of player Pat Verbeek was. So when you hire Verbeek as your GM, he's going to make his team in his image. That's how it works. Like he, he wants the team to play how he played hockey. Drysdale maybe didn't fit that image. Zegras maybe doesn't fit into his plan. And it's interesting that those two guys sat out and they held out this offseason to try to get bigger contracts. And they both signed pretty terrible contracts on the player side of it, in my eyes. They didn't really get much money, what they were asking for sure. And now they both could potentially be out. But I, the more, and I've said this before, the more I hear about Verbeek, I, I like this guy. Like, it's great. He, he is not just giving in to these young kids and he's, he wants this team to play a certain way. And if you're not going to play it, you're going to be out the door. There's not a lot of GMs who have the chutzpah to pull that off. You know what I mean? They, they try to give in to the players. Dubas did it in Toronto. He begged those guys to play physical, begged them to play hard defense. They didn't do it. They're like, yeah, we're going to wheel and deal. That's how, that's how we like to play the game. So for him to say, oh, you're not going to play that way. Gone. Trading away first round draft picks to him. Multiple Drysdale and a Zegers thing goes through like that's that's crazy. Successful first round draft picks, high end first round draft picks. So it's it's pretty incredible what he's doing. I don't know. What do you think? Well, the question now is like, what, what, what do other GMs react to this? Right. Is, is there a market for Trevor Zegers? And there has to be. He's 21 years old, a lot of talent, a lot of upside. The upside is still there. People forget they want to knock on him for like not producing, not getting the big contract. Like we just said, he's, he's sort of a one dimensional player. But that one dimension when it's on is, is really good. Don't forget, he's already got two 60 point seasons at, at age 19 and 20 on a team that was terrible. Not a lot of supporting cast. I don't think he was even playing a lot with Troy Terry when Troy Terry put up 37 goals. I don't think Zegers is on that line. He was doing a lot by himself. So he is a skilled player in the right situation. He can play well. So if you're a GM, are you looking at this? Are you thinking, okay, maybe we bring him in. Maybe we take a flyer on him. Because you know in the short term, regardless, he's going to make you some money. He's going to put butts in seats. He's going to sell jerseys. He's a very marketable player. Obviously, the video game stuff, the kids love him, social media and all that. Is that a distraction or is that like is that worth the 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 money making potential? If you're a GM in the league, are you are you calling this? Are you, try, are you trying to see what the what the asking price is? Here's where I and this this might be crazy. Here's where I think would be a good fit for him. Tampa Bay. They're struggling right now. We know Julian Brisebois, he he likes to stay active in the trade market. And they have a guy there who's wearing the C and he's up this year. He hasn't re-signed. 
He's making $8.5 million. You bring in a Trevor Zegras, somehow make the trade work. I know they're tight against the cap. You're going to have to give up some capital. Maybe you send back a defenseman, a Chernak, something to make the numbers work. You bring Zegras in, and then you let Stamkos go in the offseason. And then you have a Zegras, Kucherov, Point, Sorelli, Paul Janot. I know it's far-fetched, wow. but I think this could work because if they wanted Steven Stamkos to stay, they would have already re-signed him. This would have been done a long time ago. They want to get younger. This team is stagnant this year. They seem to be going, you know, a five-game winning streak and then a six-game losing streak. Right now, I think they're in the wild card position. This is not what you want for a team with that type of high-end talent. Kucherov, Point, Edmund, those types of players. Trevor Zegris could be a nice youth injection into this team and to kind of help boost them. They don't have a first-round draft pick this year. They don't have a first-round draft pick next year. Those are all burned in the haggle trade. If they can somehow make this work, Tim, that's if I'm Julian Breezeball, I'm calling on this right now, 100%, because they're the team that I think still has a huge Stanley Cup window, and they but they need something, a young talent. So, yes, I think a lot of teams are calling on a Trevor Zegris. There's not... Every day you get a 21-year-old goal scorer coming on the market who has a very decent contract over the next few years. What does he make? Four, five, five point something, five point seven five. That's not bad. The cap's going up. So you have him locked up for a couple more years. This is this doesn't happen very often. So yeah, if gosh, Tampa Bay would be fun if he went there. That's an interesting one because I, I watched uh, the Tampa Bruins game at the end of last week in Tampa, and I kind of was thinking about this, and we just didn't record an episode, so it didn't come up. But I am kind of on board with them being sellers at the deadline, which is a complete twist for me because I've been talking about them being as dangerous as anyone. If they're in the second wild card spot, they could still be a favorite. You know, they're just so good. But the team didn't look good. The defensemen are big and slow. They yep. obviously have a ton of talent up front, but Vasilevsky is not looking right. He's not the Vasilevsky of the last couple of years. And they don't need, like like you said, the cup window is still open. They don't need to like rebuild, sell off everything. But the big thing right now is Stamkos. And if you let him go, what do you bring in? Maybe retool a little bit and you're back next year or in a year or two because you still got Kucherov, Point, all these great young players. And so I think that that kind of makes sense. I didn't really think of that, but and I haven't seen anyone. I'm sure you're kind of just using your creativity there, your, your imagination. But that makes sense to me. I can wrap my head around that. And that's also something that they can sell to their fan base. You know what I mean? Like if you let Stamkos go, but you bring in Trevor Zegers, not obviously Zegers is not Stamkos. He probably never will be. But that's a that's a marketing like a marketing and an on ice hockey move that you're able to sell to your fan base. That makes sense to me. Yeah, but who knows if it'll come to fruition? But I like to find landing spots when you when you have a player like this who's up in the air. It's like okay, there's the obvious ones people always throw around, but. I think that one would be fun. I think they're a competitive team, and they, it just makes a lot of sense for me. But I, it'll never happen. But it would be fun yeah. if it did. The other one I was thinking about, this is, again, just because I've seen the Islanders thrown out. I've seen a few teams run out there. Detroit makes sense to me. But I look around the other teams that are rebuilding. Buffalo doesn't make sense. They've got the young talent. The Senators doesn't make sense. But Detroit is still trying to figure out who their core is going to be. Because a lot of these players are not young. Like, obviously, Kane. Debrinkit is a great young player, but he's not like 21, 22, 23. You got Lucas Raymond, you got Mo Sider, and you kind of figure out who the other pieces of that core are going to be. Maybe Trevor Zegers could be part of it. They got the cap space. They have the ability to go get that move. That one made sense to me um, logically. But again, I haven't seen anything. I'm just thinking outside. You the know bar. who has a ton of cap space, who has the best player on the planet, who's young, is injured right now is Chicago. Though, like, honestly, that type of situation works out great because you get Zegers. He's still as young. He could grow along with Bedard, and Bedard has nobody to play with. 
absolutely yeah. nobody. They're dying for talent. So again, if I'm Kyle Davidson, I have so much capital. I have so much cap space. I'm kicking the tires. I'm phoning Anaheim and saying, hey, what do you want back? Maybe we can ship you a young defenseman that maybe isn't working out for us or a young forward because they have some young players that they can just, you know, new place, new face, see if it works out. But keep your eye on this because as much as we hate on Trevor Zegras, the kid's a talented cat. You know, you just want to see him go to a place where he's able to use his skills. I might not like them all the time. Or maybe I don't like his attitude. He's still an incredible hockey player. You have to respect that. So the guy needs to go somewhere where he can use those talents, right? Ironically, don't you think if he was struggling somewhere else, we'd be like, you know where he'd be great? Anaheim. They're building yeah, a young right? team. They're fast. They're skilled. The California thing. Like it, it makes so much sense. It's too bad that it would come to this point. So we'll see if he gets traded or not. But it does show quite a bit how the organization and the style of play of the team is impacts a player so much. Like you, you can fit in one spot and take off, and then you go somewhere else and you completely tank a Jonathan Huberto. The guy was fantastic in Florida, hundred plus, hundred fifteen points, like MVP candidate. Fast forward, he's still the same player, garbage in Calgary for the last two years. It's just amazing how the fit matters so much. And I saw that throughout my career, seven teams. Some teams, I was like a circle circle round peg in a square spot, and it just didn't work. Other teams, it was like peanut butter and jelly. It's like, fantastic. I fit so great. I still got traded and cut from every team. But it just, you, you can tell different situations work better for different players. Right now, Zegris doesn't work. He, he could go to an, like a, a team like Dallas. Well, maybe not. Like He needs a team that has a lot of vets who can kind of hone him in, and he can just go and be free, just have some fun and score some goals. Chicago would actually be good for that, honestly. That's not that's not a bad spot. Anyways, moving on. There's a lot of other situations, especially in Calgary, Tim, because you mentioned teams that are out of it or potentially out of it, and they look at their future, and it's completely up in the air. And the Calgary Flames are one such team. What's going on in Calgary? Well, there's three main players on the trade block right now. That These are the guys that we talked about have expiring contracts, and, and some of them have signed. Most of them haven't. So let's go down the list here. Elias Lindholm. This is kind of too bad for them because they probably should have traded him last year when his, his value was a lot higher because he's put up multiple 80-point seasons. He's had a 40-goal season. But he's having a down year right now. However, his low salary cap is makes him very valuable still, and he's actually number one on uh, daily face-offs trade target list uh, because he's a two-way player, but he's a goal scorer as well. He can put up points as well as be responsible. He can play a shutdown role if you need him to, making only 4.85. So he's going to be probably the, the number one guy approaching the deadline that teams are going to be calling on. A lot of teams could use a center. A lot of teams could use a goal scorer, especially one that's not going to hurt you defensively. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Colorado seemed like a, a great fit for that. They've been missing that number two C since they let Kadri go. So maybe he's there, but also I've seen Ottawa involved. I've seen Seattle involved, who's won a bunch of games lately, and they could use a player like him. Um, I don't know. What do you think about Lindholm? Yeah, he's the bell of the ball. I think when you look at free agents coming into this March free agent period, he's the number one guy. There's nobody else who moves the needle like he does. And I think it's specifically because he's a center. There's no good centerman on the market usually ever. They get wrapped up into long-term deals. The other one that was going to enter free agency that's not anymore is Mark Shifley. So he's locked down in Winnipeg for a long time. And who's left? There's really nobody. Because teams know you win the Stanley Cup when you're strong down the middle. I know that. You don't know that, Tim. You like wingers. Like everybody, wingers are a dime a dozen. You can find a good winger on any corner, on any big city in North America. 
centermen are hard to find. And that's why Elias Lindholm, if Calgary's smart, if Craig, Craig Conroy's smart, you re-up him. You have to sign this guy if you want to have any any chance of competing in the next three to five years. He is your guy. You're not getting better on the open market. You're not going to get better in the draft. This guy is a good hockey player. So that being said, if they don't re-sign him and he doesn't want to be there, it sounds like they had an impasse. They negotiated this summer. It didn't really work out. He's gonna he's gonna bring in a haul of players. Like he Colorado is is the obvious one. I think you nailed it with that. I think they work very, very well for him and he has a chance to chase a cup. It would be funny that Audrey Lindholm switching places, but yeah, this guy's a stud. I, I think Flames are in a position of strength here when you're dealing with this guy because he's he should garner you a first and a prospect, if not more, based on what teams have given up. If Hega gets two first rounders, this guy should get two. And he's only twenty nine. He's still relatively young, so you can trade for him, sign him for three to five years, and you still get good miles on him. It's not like he's a 35-year-old center. Like the other guy in the Flames, Backland, who's also a big piece, but he's got some years on his contract. But gosh, do you trade him if you're Conroy? That's a thing because you're basically giving up your first line because there's you're you're not getting better if you trade Lindholm. And then what do you do next year? You have no first-line center? You have You have – Nothing like you have Kadri, you have Backland, like the, it, you you pretty much have to go in full blown rebuild if you deal Lindholm. That's it. You have to just sell the ship. Well, that's the tough thing because this is not his team. Like he didn't make any of these moves. He didn't yeah. do these contracts. It's his now, you know though. I mean? it, well, it is now. So it's like, what decision does he make? What direction does he go? Because honestly, I don't think he would have done a lot of the things that that um, Tree Living did before him. So yeah, I. Probably, probably if you if you deal him, you have to re- do a rebuild. That's what they should have done. But again, he wasn't there for that. A um, couple other interesting players in the back end. First is Noah Hannafin. And I didn't realize this, um, but apparently they tried to sign him this past summer. And they pretty much went like all the way to like the contract signing and everything. And, and Hannafin backed out last minute. It was a seven-year deal worth north of $50 million. Apparently he didn't want it. Like he got cold feet. So he's going to be looking to move on because he obviously didn't want to sign that extension. And he's he'll get a good haul. He's a great young defenseman. I don't know, I don't know how young he is anymore. He's uh, twenty six, so he's still fairly young. And the other one is is Tanev. He's a gritty kind of do anything, what it, whatever it takes to win defenseman. He can log heavy minutes. He can shut down other lines. He's a perfect rental defenseman. Only making four and a half. Hannafin's only making four point nine. So these are affordable young defensemen. That basically, like if you look at the trade market, everyone's looking at Calgary. A lot of expiring contracts, and they're all affordable. Some good players here. Where do you see either of those two guys going? Well, a contender, right? Like a, a good defensive. That's this is their second deep pairing. I don't know, Tim. It's still early for that. I think teams are trying to figure out their needs and their depth. But he's going to go to a contender. The Rangers have struggled lately. Maybe they can use him on their back end. He will go to a team vying for the Stanley Cup, and he they will be expensive. If if Conroy plays his right, he should have three, four first rounders coming his way next year. If you trade Hannafin, if you trade Lindholm, if you trade Tanev, maybe like that's a lot of capital you could get from this. And I'll tell you what, he's he's trading everybody. He's not going to the same mistake they made when they let uh, Johnny Goudreau walk. And they, you know, we have a handshake deal. It's going to be fine. And then they just let him go and you get nothing for him. And he goes to Columbus. That was a big boner move by Trevelyan. Yeah. I was running the most powerful team in the NHL, the Maple Leafs, but. Crazy, crazy stuff. The Calgary Flames, very fun. Can we just fast forward to March and just start wheeling and dealing? Because that's like, it, it's it's fun to guess, but I, I don't know. The, 
well, out of these three, if you, if you're a contending team, I, I'll say out of these two, because Tanev isn't as good as Tanev is not as good as Hannafin. Which one would you value more? A good second line center, because that's what Lindholm is, or a good third, fourth D man who Noah Hannafin is. I always, I mean, nothing to do with the two players. I always err toward the the defenseman. That's always what you need. And defensemen get hurt. And I'll just speak for the Bruins. Like they're always calling up guys from Providence, their seventh, eighth defenseman, because guys just get hurt. And it happens every year and it happens to other teams as well. So I feel like that's what you need. If you can get another guy that can log 25 minutes and, and play both ends of the ice, that's just invaluable to me. So that's what I'd pick. Hmm. What about you? I, I'm, I'm going the centerman. I think centermen are more valuable than defensemen. That's just how I feel. I think it's harder to find a good two-way centerman like Lindholm is than it is is to find a good defenseman. They're both very, very important. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, right. There's another great defenseman. One of your guys that you love is on the market as well, Tony D'Angelo. Tony He's been D. in the lineup for, for much of the year. He's been healthy scratched 19 times out of Oof. the 40 games they played. He is That's not John Scott the- numbers. <laughs> no, that he'd, is. Be, he'd be 29. Um, I probably would be. Yeah, he's just not on Rod's list. He's He's been scratched for uh, Jalen Chatfield, who's been playing better. So um, he could be a valuable asset for a team that's looking to add some offensive depth in the back end. He's only making $1.6 million, and it looks like Carolina is willing to facilitate a move. Obviously, D'Angelo wants to play. He wants to be moved and go somewhere where he's uh, valuable and where he's wanted and where he's getting ice time. And I think he's probably not going to be picky about it. So I think he's going to be on the move as well. Here's a guy who's going to finish his career. You know, he's going to kick around another five, six years, retire around 36. And he's going to be made, made a lot of money. Like he's already made 15 million over eight years. So not a lot of money considering he's put up a season of 53 points. He's put up a season of 51, 42. He is one of the best puck moving defensemen in the NHL. Like there's the obviously the the high tier of Yossi Fox, Makar, those guys, Hughes. He's that second tier. He's right behind them. And his highest contract to date, he signed a two-year deal with the Flyers for five million. Two years only. You take that two years out, this guy's signing just low-end contracts. He's not making much money. It's just amazing the disrespect he's gotten his whole career. And it's just because of his attitude. It's <laughs> That's what it boils down to. He's just a hard guy to play with. Apparently, I've never been with him. I th- I think I'd love him, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty funny. It makes me it makes me laugh. But he'll he'll be a guy who is valuable. So this uh, reminds me of a quote I saw the other day from Colin Blackwell, who had a two goal game for the Blackhawks the other day. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he said uh, he said, "quote I'm 30 years old, and a lot of people haven't given me the time of day throughout my career, so I always play with a chip on my shoulder. I'm trying to fight for a spot on this team. A lot of people don't think I'm ver- don't think very highly of me, and I keep the receipts. It pisses me off." Great quote from a player who's been like a fringe, you know, working his way into the yep. lineup. It got me thinking about like he thinks he's better than the. GMs and coaches think he is, which is which is good. You want that confidence from a player. You want that chip on your shoulder, especially you know a player of his caliber. But there must be so much of the league, and maybe you can speak to this of like guys, especially like the third, fourth liners, the fifth, sixth defensemen, who are just passed over, who who think and know that they're better than other guys who are making four or five times the money, and a lot of it's just reputation or happen to be on a cup winning team where I'm probably better than this guy, but my team missed the playoffs. He won the cup. He's signing an eight-year contract, and I'm 
I'm signing a two-year contract. You know what I mean? Is there a lot of guys who think and know that they're better than other players, but a lot of it's just favorites and politics and that sort of thing? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, it's based on draft you know, capital, what, what, where you were drafted, the team is invested in you. You see that a lot. I, I, I got into that where we're in the AHL or in the NHL and I was terrible. It's like, Oh, that guy was drafted in the second round. So they got to play him, but he sucks. And you can see that he sucks. It's just tough, especially for forwards, because you can tell in practice if you're better than somebody, but you just don't get the opportunities because they have to give it to this person. There's a pecking order and you're lower down on the list. And Chicago's got a few guys. Now that you mentioned them who could be, very valuable come the trade deadline. If you look at their roster, if you go to cap friendly, their whole team is up for grabs. Literally their whole team. They only have four players who were signed longer than this year. It's Kurashev, Donato, Murphy, and Korchinski, who's on his entry-level contract. Everybody else, Tim, is up. Like literally everybody. I've never seen anything like it. So if you're a GM, like they have a guy, Jason Dickinson, had a pretty solid career with Dallas and then came to Chicago. He's having a great year. He's almost got 20 goals. as a career high. He kills penalties on the power play. He's a guy who I, I would target if I was a GM. You can get him for cheap, and he's a very valuable. You can throw him on the third line. I like him. But, yeah, Colin Blackwell, he was out of hockey for like a year and a half, and he came back from a long layoff. He had um, sports hernia surgery or something. Good little player. My, my Chicago Blackhawks, they only <laughs> lost 2-1 to one of the Oilers last night. It's like the little engine that could. Right now, they're, they're not the little engine that isn't. But they could. They could. <laughs> Last one I want to talk about here. Looking out west, Kuzmenko is, and for everything that's going right for Vancouver Canucks this year, he's the one thing that isn't. And it's interesting because he had 39 points last year, or 39 goals, sorry, 75 points in his first NHL campaign. Obviously, a little bit older. He came over from Russia. He turned that into a two-year, 11 million dollar extension. But this year, he has just not produced really at all. And a lot of it has to do with. Uh, with Tockett just not playing a system. Taki's not in Tockett's, you know, good list. Um, and he just, he's been healthy scratched a handful of times, six or seven times. He's been playing most of the season on the bottom six. He's not getting in the top power play minutes after everything went really well for him last year. So he's, he's on the trading list. He's a team that, a player that a lot of teams could look at. And I don't think if you're the Canucks, you don't want to sell low on this guy if you think he could be a 35, 40 goal scorer, 75 point player like he was last year. But, this is the season that everything's going right. You need to go all in and you could use his five and a half million dollar cap for other things that are going to help you right now. So maybe you look at trading him. Yeah. I, I think this set of all the ones that could potentially happen, this one probably is the least likeliest because he's still like, I, I know he's not young because he played in Russia professionally for a long time, but I, I still think he'll be fine. He's just having a little bump on the road. Last year he had 74 points. I think he maybe right, he's still trying to figure out talk at system. If you're all in, adjustment. you got five and a half for a player who's not producing. If you can get something for him and free up that cap space to go get another piece, wouldn't you do it? You have to look at, is the player I'm getting going to be better? Well, what if you trade him for like a draft pick and free up that, that cap space to go get another player at the deadline? You know what I mean? Again, it has that player has to be better. So which player Hannafin? can come in? Hannafin. Hannafin's a defenseman, so I don't think that... Um... Apples to oranges. You got to yeah. like maybe you know, a Zegris. Uh, I, uh, no, I, I do think he's the least likeliest to get moved. I, I still think, and you know me, I, I'm the first one to say get rid of him, but he had 74 points last year. Like, let's just pump the, he has 20 this year. Like, he's not having a terrible start, not to the pace he was last year. It takes a little bit of time to get used to a new system. Maybe he, 
he's obviously struggling. Vancouver's still winning, so they're not is the urgency isn't really there. You just don't like Russians. I don't know what your deal is. You know what? We had Yakupov on. You were all salty to him. We have Zad Zadorov on. You didn't really like it. Now you're going after oh Kuzmenko. Those are two of my favorite deal? guests ever. Stop. Is this going back Crazy. to World War II when Russia jumped in and took Germany down? Is this what this is? This what's happening here? Unbelievable. Russia, they were on our side in World War II. Not the German side. What's what's Wurzburger? Is that is that German? It sounds German. It is German, yeah. Oh, German. oh, okay. Oh, don't mention that. But anyways, Kuzmenko, <laughs> I think uh, I think he needs to stay there. There's bigger fish to fish fry in Vancouver. They need to get Pedersen locked up. Hey, he's going to have – his number is going to have a 12 or 13 in front of it after Willie Nylander scored that $11.5 million contract because Pedersen is way better than Nylander. Way better. I, I'm yeah. on the Pedersen train now. I wasn't before. Choo-choo. I'm on it, Tim. I think he's a fantastic player. He's won you By over. the way, I put the, tra- I put the trainer on the Christmas tree this year. My baby picked up the, the, coal, the coal cart, slammed it, and that's where all the music comes from. And I wasn't happy. She thought, because it's like a legit electric style, like Polar Express train from Lionel. Like, it's a good train. She broke it. I was so upset. I, well, I didn't hit her too hard. But I was just, just kidding. I didn't hit her, everybody. But yeah, uh, annoying. I like to put a trainer on the tree. I think it's very, you know, classic. Nice. What's the latest in the Did house? Did you have a tree in your house, Tim? Here? Yeah. No. I wasn't I wasn't no? here for Christmas. Home. That's not what I asked. I didn't ask where you were. I, I asked if you have a tree. Did you have any anymore. Christmas decorations? No. Most of I, I did it a lot in Traverse, but I left most of that stuff behind. Like I just didn't bring it with me, so I didn't have anything to put up here, and I didn't want to do it if I was going to be gone for like the whole week of Christmas. So when you have friends but, over, they don't say anything. This isn't well, festive, plus, Tim. So, it was so warm here. Like there's no snow, there's no cold. Like Christmas, it's different down here. It's not like the whole season like it is up there. So I, I missed it. We got speaking of snow, we got buried last night, almost a foot. Just buried. Kids loved it. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> it's like Wood 60 pile. here. I'm going to shovel. It's 60 degrees there. Did you hit, get, see any tornadoes? No tornadoes, um, but a lot of down trees. Big storm last night. Or yesterday, I should say. All day yesterday. Let's move on, John. These quick hits. Global warming. Are, Thanks a lot, Trump. These quick hits are brought to you by DoorDash. If you don't feel like those cooking. Chinese. They, they those omissions, Tim. Order the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left at your doorstep. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code NATION25, all caps. Offer valid in Canada, subject to change, terms may apply. A couple of streaks here, John. A lot of teams are on winning streaks right now. The first one is the, uh, the, the Kraken. 11-game point streak, 7-game win streak. Now one spot out of the wild card race, just behind the Oilers, who have played fewer games, even though they have the same amount of points. We we cut this team out about a month ago. We said they're done. Last year was an aberration, and they're kind of proving us wrong. Do you feel like, are you ready to respect them as a playoff team yet? Sure. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. Uh, like, who can honestly say they follow the Seattle Kraken? They have dozens of fans, John. Dozens. No, they have like they have a very good following in Seattle. In the upper, you know, northwest territory area of the United States, 
Nobody else. Like, I don't know who, like, who's doing good. Is uh, Maddie Beignet doing good? Is he lighting they had, it up? Uh, Jaden Swartz returned from injury last night, got put two points up. Only know that because Yanni Gord? Team. I don't know. Everly, they, I don't think they make can. the playoffs. Can I still stand by that? You can. You're I don't, I don't think they make it. I think Edmonton's on fire. I think Seattle's playing well, but. When when you look at it, it's like LA who's they LA's been garbage the last ten games and they're still firmly in the third place in the Pacific Division. Vegas isn't gonna drop out. The Canucks won't drop out. That being said, I'm saying they've been garbage. They will improve. So they're not gonna pass those three teams. So they're vying for the wild card position. Edmonton is not going to slow down. So they have to jump the predators. Right. That's it. That's their only chance. So that was the next one. Eight-game win streak for the Oilers. They won again last night. They're now in a, officially in a playoff spot, second in the wild card, which is really just amazing considering the start that they have. Interesting stat, too, that I saw. Chris Knobloch is the first coach in NHL history to help orchestrate two different seven-plus game winning streaks in the first 25 games behind the bench. Pretty impressive. Um, they just won games in bunches at a time since he took over. They were a completely different team. Also, uh, his brother was a terrific second baseman for the Minnesota Twins. Oh, the, Chuck, yeah, Yankees. the brothers. Yankees. Twins. Um, Yankees. Uh, twins. Chuck Knobloch Chuck, played for the Twins. He's on the Yankees. Maybe, Are they allowed to both. switch teams in the MLB? Oh, I remember him as a Yankee just because of the Red Sox thing. Um, two more. You want to know how I sp- tried to spell Chuck Knobloch right now? G-N-O-B-L-O-B. I started with the G for some reason. So dumb. What was it? Because I just made I made Gnocchi last night. Yeah. So he started his career with the Minnesota Twins. He played there for six years, and then he finished it with the Yankees. He played with the Yankees for five. His best years were with Minnesota. I had to just prove myself right. You were, we were both right on that. Two more here. Uh, the Panthers won but again. But if one was more right. Right is right. There's no, there's no degrees of right. Um Kachuk had a hat-trick last night, Matthew, and the Panthers have won eight straight. They're now second in the Atlantic, chasing the Bruins right there. And the last one, Jets won again last night. They have seven-game winning streaks. So four major winning streaks right now, and the Jets are first in the Central. A couple of injury updates. Jack Hughes is week-to-week for the Devils with an upper-body injury. He was injured after falling awkwardly on a rush late in the third period on Friday against the Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, At first, they thought it might be months, but they said it's weeks, not months, which is good news for them. He's on my fantasy team. I should adjust my roster. You should. You should think about that. Uh, a couple I others remember here. my passcode. The Bruins fell in overtime last night to the Arizona Coyotes. And during overtime, Allmark went down. He made a, like a split glove save, went down, had to be helped off the ice, couldn't finish the game. Not good. The Bruins are traveling today, so we probably won't get an update until tomorrow, Thursday. But not good. And this is, you know, if he, if he misses serious time, um, it's a big opportunity, obviously, for Swayman, but hopefully he's back before long. Are you going to be prepared for when the Bruins fall out of the top three in the Atlantic and are in a wild card in two months? I'm. I, that won't happen. But to answer your question, no, I will not be prepared. <laughs> they will. Yeah. That will. That is my prediction. Midseason prediction: the Who's Bruins will ease into a wild card spot. That that's where they'll finish. I think the Florida Panthers and the Leafs will lap them, and I think the Lightning will get their act together and pass them. <clears throat> no, 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 no. Uh, last thing here that everyone's talking about. I, I mean, basically, since it happened, the whole uh, Pierre Luc Dubois trade and Velarde and Ayafalo, and everyone's playing well for the Kings. And 
um, for the Jets, I mean, but Dubois is now playing fourth minute line, fourth line minutes for the Kings. He's he's That's not crazy. producing. He's he's slipping down the lineup, which is just brutal. He's making eight million dollars, John. Crazy, crazy. Tell you the what, he's pretty good fourth line center. Yeah, <laughs> best fourth line center in the league. But for well, a team that's done what, so well, you know. They brought him in, and you had Kopitar and Deneau firmly slotted in for one, two centers. So, you know, where is he going to go? Like, he has to go somewhere. He can't, he's not going to overtake those two guys. Deneau is a great player. Like, he's very, very, very good. And Kopitar is ageless wonder. So, one more. Good, uh, I, I called it. I called it. One more update here from the Blackhawks. Medical update. Connor Bedard underwent successful surgery to repair his fractured jaw. We expect him to be out of the lineup for approximately six to eight weeks. Oh, he's missing the All-Star game. Yeah. Yep. Too bad. (gasps) Poor kid. Do you think they would ask me? Because I technically (laughs) play for Chicago. (laughs) It'd be fun. What? uh, Six to eight weeks with a broken jaw? I thought it was a perfectly fine hit. Me too. Nothing wrong with that. People are, I understand why you're upset, but it was a clean hit. You know? Yeah, people just like being upset. Hockey's too physical. It's a man's game. You know what I mean? It, Brendan Smith is he's a big dude. So I made gnocchi last night. I should have used DoorDash, but I didn't. My kids devoured it, Tim. I was so proud of myself. Homemade from scratch gnocchi. You ever do that? How many, how many potatoes did you use? There's not a lot of potatoes in gnocchi. I used two cups of potatoes. What's the rest? So you bake them. Yeah, you go potatoes, flour, ricotta, eggs, some salt and pepper to taste. Legit. uh, They tasted good. Homemade tortillas yesterday for the first time for some tacos. They're pretty good. Pretty good. How did you press them down? Well, that was the hard part because I had a roller, but they they kept contracting, right? Mm -hmm. They kept going back in. So. It was a little bit thicker than a, like a store-bought one, but I'll tinker. I'll learn. I'll get better at it. You can buy up. a tortilla press fairly fairly good value. I think they're probably like 20 to $25. Who has that kind of money? We're making DoorDash money now, though. Are you kidding me? Rolling in it, baby. Don't know what to do with it. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you. Are we going to do another one tomorrow? We're going to wait till Friday. We'll do Friday. I got right. to go to Chicago and do a Hawks game tomorrow anyway, so... I will talk to everybody on Friday. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.